the show where we don't just report on fringe science, spirituality, and claims of the paranormal, but take part ourselves. Yep, when they make the claims, we show up so you don't have to. I'm Ross Blotcher. And I'm Carrie Poppy. And we are bringing to you a new investigation. A brand new... I'm, <laughs> I'm really excited about this. Yeah, this, this turned into a lot more than we were expecting. <sighs> no kidding. Let me tell you how this began. Okay, yeah, how did it? People will still wonder what on earth it is. Tell us the origin story. Here it is. Okay. So my boyfriend Drew and I were driving in Glendale, California, beautiful Glendale. Mm-hmm. We were on the way to the doctor's office. Okay. And outside... I see this fountain with an eternal flame on top of it, as if the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier is beneath it. Appropriate, because you're right across the street from Forest Lawn. Forest Lawn, Lawn Cemetery, yeah. But around the flame, there's a bunch of letters that look like they're a biblical language, like Hebrew or Aramaic or something. Hmm. And on the building behind it, it said Faith Center. But there was a weird juxtaposition between the fountain and the building. The building was just a boxy building built in the 80s. Right. And the title is a generic. Yeah, How, how much more generic can you right. get than like Faith, Faith Center. Center? But then the fountain has this like really, I don't know, like almost a calligraphy feel. It's like very ornate. And like I say, it has this, big this fountain writing. Too. It's, yeah, it's very big. There's this flame coming out of it. It just was really weird looking. I'm not sure if I'm really even doing it justice. People will have to go and look at a photo of it. But I was like, what is that? And I wrote down the name, which, as you say, I already realized as I'm writing it down, this is not going to be easy to There's Google. There's got to be like a million places called, called Faith, Faith Center. Center. What do we do here? Faith and uh, I don't know. Where right. is this? Uh, well, let's see. It's centralized. Yeah. We want to bring people mm. in. Oh, center. Okay. This is, okay. This is a center of okay. faith. Very good idea, Tom. Pat, 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 pat. It's like God Church. Yeah. <laughs> Faith Center. So I wrote it down. Is there a place called God Church? I, You know, I saw a God's Gym in Oakland. Hey. And the theme, like Gold's Gym. I get it. But they're, they're not joking around. It really is religious. You, but you're bodybuilding? You're bodybuilding, but the guy who runs it is a pastor. And it's all about how like you will hear the word of the Lord there. Oh, okay. Yeah, intense. Okay. Anyway, I went and looked it up. And I was like, holy moly, this is a gold mine. Faith Center is crazy and untapped. And that's when you told me about it. And that's when I said, Ross, Ross Blotcher. We, we got to do this thing. We need to take a visit to the Faith Center. Uh, and you told me immediately about the central figure behind this church. I think in the first breath, you told me about Eugene Scott. And you said there's even a Werner Herzog documentary about him called God's Angry Man. Yes. And I think that was the first thing I did was I went and watched God's Angry Man because it's online. And I. Yeah, you can go find it. And that's Werner Herzog at his most Herzogian. Yeah, very abstract, you know, found footage and then a couple interviews. But yeah, just long sections where you're watching the broadcast that Eugene Scott put out of guys singing. It's like, okay, you're not going to cut now? (laughs) No? Okay. And it all centers around this one interview that Herzog did with Gene Scott in the back of a limo or something. 
and he was calling Gene Scott God's angry man because he was he, a televangelist and he, he would yell a lot. Yeah. Now, apparently he would get angry at people calling him a televangelist. I felt that was demeaning somehow, okay. but his channel broadcast 24 hours a day. That was what they were really proud of. And, and he an was an evangelist and it's a portmanteau it, of the words evangelizing and evangelist. So if you wanted to find televangelist as someone who appears on the television and tells you about Jesus, uh, this is that man. Maybe he was just offended by portmanteaus. That could be it. Maybe some people just don't like portmanteaus. They don't like them. They're like, keep words separate. I don't like all this squishing the words up. Those people aren't me. That's true. As my friend Charles would say, I do support manteaus. (laughs) So I know a lot of our listeners are confused right now because they're saying, wait a second, didn't you guys interview Eugenie Scott at some point in the past? Oh, that's so funny. Why did I never put that together? (laughs) Oh, really? You did it? No. Because wasn't she very scientifically minded and a great spokesperson at the time for the National Center for Science? education why yes she was and is but and is a woman she's left that position yes she is not the one we were talking about eugenie scott is awesome this is someone different we're talking about named eugene scott yes that's right and his legal name is william eugene scott he's also deceased which will come into play so mm. now you might be thinking hang on we're talking about a dead yeah. guy who runs why are you church? getting so excited about gene scott yeah well, i mean is he l ron hubbard is he running it from the grave and he's going to come back and sit in a chair that they're keeping open for him surely his presence no longer reigns supreme over this face center in glendale california you say eh, yes and no yeah i wouldn't quite say that he's an l ron hubbard but mm-hmm. his widow melissa scott his much younger widow she's 48 is the reigning pastor now and yes. melissa scott is a character, you guys. Pastor Melissa Scott. Can we take a second and say the chances of her listening to this are what? 85%? They're good. Hi, Melissa. Hi, Melissa Scott. You never wanted to talk to us, so... Hi. And we'll still happily talk to you. Yeah, 100%. If she ever wants to be on the show, she is welcome. Yes. Oh, my goodness. She is an interesting person. Boy, oh, boy. She really is. So We need to say a little more about Gene because he started out as kind of a fiery sermonizer. And so he'd get out there on the stage. And uh, we'll talk later about some of his early sermons that we'd watched. But Yeah, we'll really dig into the dirt on some of these sermons because they're fascinating. But when he was younger, he'd get out there, you know, be standing on his feet wearing a suit you know he would just be giving it to people and and telling them about how it is and how god wants things to be done and very much extemporaneous you could tell you know he was kind of making it up as he went along he'd maybe gone over a brief outline when he started and his big prop would be this whiteboard next to him chalkboard started out as a chalkboard okay and uh so he'd be drawing little diagrams and they'd turn into these pictures and he'd reinforce certain lines and he'd draw circles around things and he'd reconnect them to something else and draw a big arrow coming back around and it would end up as this big jumble on the the blackboard i think we all had this college professor where by the end of it you're like okay so this isn't a diagram this is how i punctuate sentences yes exactly this is just you have a nervous tick where your hand has to move (laughs) right you said that circle was knowledge and we keep drawing lines back right to that. but i think at one point the the circle was your dad and, now, and then okay. it was control and life right yeah. and okay i think now hmm. it's just the color blue <laughs> uh, okay i don't know what it is now and he would always have the bible in his other hand but uh i, I don't recall ever seeing him actually open it up to read something from the bible it's just the Bible was there as kind of a prop. Mm-hmm. You know. Although, to be fair, we watched, you know, maybe 20 hours of sermons out of thousands. Sure. 
Oh yeah, for sure. I'm just saying. I'm sure. There's, yeah. I'm oh, sure yeah. you could find him looking in the Bible. Sure, he uses his Bible from yeah. time to time, but yeah. it's rare enough that we didn't see it. At least preaches many sermons where he's just using it as a, kind of a prop or flips mm-hmm. it open every now and then to kind of point in or like somewhere in here is right. what I am saying. <laughs> right. Close the, it again. The general ideas are in this year book. Uh, you should get one. And then another characteristic thing about Gene Scott is that he had no problem asking for money. Yes. Commanding people to give money. Saying yes. that, you know, this is really God's work and that's what you need to be doing. And that's where he would get really angry. It was when there was a fundraising drive of some sort. And he would be saying, you know, well, we need to see 250000 before the end of this broadcast. I need to see it in the next 42 minutes. He'd get like really specific and give you updates on just how much money had come in. And this plays a really big part in God's Angry Man, where he was stopping the presses saying, I'm not going to teach unless a certain amount of money is raised in the next hour or whatever right. it was. And so Herzog documented him raising a whole bunch of money in a very short time over the airwaves. That was back in 1983, just a mere year I was born, a mere year after I was born. No, Um, I've been also in contact with a couple of people who have been following Gene Scott and later Melissa Scott Mm. through these years. So for decades now, and both of the people I'm in contact with have asked not to be named, but for reasons that will become apparent, I'm going to jokingly call them Carrie's house number one and two. (laughs) So Carrie's house number one has been following Gene Scott for decades. Actually, they both have Carrie's house numbers one and two. And Carrie's house number two told me that Gene actually started the process of giving everyone numbers. That was Um, his idea. That was his idea. Makes Uh, sense. That he said, since the Bible is very clear that your giving should be in secret, I want to be able to acknowledge people's giving but not say their names. So he gave everybody numbers to acknowledge their tithing. A king's house number. A king's house number. I'm going to mix it up and say that Carrie's house number two is Ross's house number one. Oh, boy. And Carrie's house number one is Ross's house number two. <laughs> okay, that's really confusing. If anyone wants to apply for Ross's house number three, let me know. <laughs> And now the two are probably wondering which one they are, because I haven't told them. I haven't told them which one is one and two. Yeah, so Melissa has kept up that tradition, but I think made it a little uglier, which we'll get into. But yeah, as you say, he wasn't shy about asking for money, but then when you gave it, kind of anonymized the system of giving it. Yes, even then, no names being mentioned. And then as the years went on, his sermons kind of took on a slightly different tone. I would say he just got a little more eccentric, his hair was already kind of long and white even when he was younger, uh, but it grew longer and kind of grew over his ears and he'd grow like a big beard, big spectacles, and then funny hats. He seemed to have a thing Loved them hats. for the funny hat. So every time there was some different hat, sometimes it was like a gardener's hat and sometimes it's like a sea captain's hat. And you never knew what Definitely you were going to get. had kind of a cowboy vibe about him, which made sense. He liked kind of the ranch life. He yes. loved thoroughbreds. He bred horses. And he would show videos of his horses to people at the church. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I also noticed in his later years, as we were watching these videos, we would have little parties and like go over to each other's house to watch Gene Scott videos. Really confusing Drew and Kara about what on earth was going on (laughs) in the living rooms. We noticed that in later years, he kind of adopted an economy of speech where he would move his mouth very little. Mm -hmm. His mouth would form this kind of triangle where the upper lip would be kind of bent but not move, but then the lower lip would be the bottom of the triangle and it would just kind of move. Do all the work. Just enough. Like, and you would see like his lower teeth as he was talking. It was just interesting. It was almost slurred. So it'd be Mm -hmm. kind of hard to make out what he was saying, but it just felt like he didn't want to muster the energy to really 
talk that loud. And he'd be sitting down, so the camera would just be like really close in on his face. And in these later videos, and again, we'll talk more about the content of them, but just as far as the aesthetic goes, he'd be sitting there alone on stage. There's no better word for it, on mm-hmm. stage, surrounded by a clutter of books, uh, often with a cigar that maybe would take him 20 minutes to half an hour to light. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, on a cozy chair. And uh, yeah, I love that. Like, you know, just take a while to puff. You know, yep, yep. Let's get that one started. And kind of think out loud and then maybe start a thought and just really drawn out long sentences. And you know, you, we've got lots of air to fill. Yeah, you pointed no that out right away that, well, you know, if you're going to be broadcasting this long, there's no point in speaking any quicker. <laughs> right. He just reminds me in that way of like a Howard Stern or an Alex Jones yeah, or Alex Rush Jones, Limbaugh, yeah. someone who has to fill up so many hours of entertainment or But then Alex Jones it. is an interesting comparison because Alex Jones can fill up all that time with rapid fire speech. Right. And angry. Yeah. But, you know, Alex Jones is also a much younger man. Than- that guy must drink like a lot lot of honey tea or something what just to keep his throat you know oh from i see completely- i thought you just thought that was like his i don't know that that's where he gets all that energy <laughs> no, like it must be honey tea <laughs> his voice is just like a wrath and you think you got tired of it after yeah, a while yeah, totally but um we should ask john ronson have you seen what does he do to he do ease to his throat that, that voice yeah you gotta protect them everyone has to go watch the recent john ronson on Infowars. have you seen it no oh i've got to show you it's so oh, i can't wait miraculous oh I can't wait. They recently swapped interviews because John wanted to interview Alex about Donald Trump. And Alex said, I'll do it if you'll be on InfoWars. And so John is on InfoWars for like a good two hours. John's oh, amazing. on it. And it's so beautiful and wonderful. I couldn't If any of you don't know who Alex Jones is, you're probably in the Illuminati. That's correct. So no, if you're in the Illuminati, you definitely know who Alex Jones <laughs> is because he's your number one enemy. So Gene Scott, yeah, just in later years, it just seemed like he would, uh, you know, kind of sit there and let the camera rest on him. He'd give little instructions to the camera every now and then, but it was just the the Gene Scott hour. And yeah, I'd love it. He would uh, go to like pick up a book that would come to his mind. And so he'd just kind of sift around on the ground. The camera would watch him like kind of knocking over books and picking up some and tossing them aside. No, that's not it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And finally find one and just kind of open up, read maybe one or two sentences and then just kind of go off on those two sentences. And then sometimes read you pages and pages and pages. And his sermon at that point in his life would basically be reading you someone else's work and giving maybe a little bit of commentary, but often not all that much. And sometimes the commentary would be basically, I don't like this book. (laughs) You're right. He'd read you several pages and then be like, you know what? I don't like this guy. (laughs) Okay. Well, thank you so much for half an hour of that book that you didn't like. So you can picture this as desaturated video, very zoomed in on his face. So imagine like a a four to three aspect ratio, like old style TV from, you know, anywhere 80s to 90s is zoomed in on this guy's face really close. So you can see like any sweat or all of his pores, essentially. Not the greatest teeth in the world. And, you know, the the glasses are kind of reflecting back at you. Also, another thing you always see on screen is a phone number. Yes. And now this is impressive. Yes. This phone number has has remained constant for a long time, many years. A long time. We're talking decades here. Yeah, we're talking at least 30 years, if not 40. And they still use it to this day. 1-800-338-1111. 
3030. Yeah, you can call it right now. Yeah. I mean, be nice if you're going to call, but if you want to test it out, you can test it out. Yeah. Be polite to these people. Be polite to any people. I'm just going to tease this for a second because we got to move on and we'll get back to this, but we haven't even talked about what he's actually talking about in these videos. Yes. So Gene was what we might call a, a conspiracy theorist. Yeah, a, a polymath, a, a renaissance man, if you want to be nice about it. He's interested in many different Jack things. Jack of all trades. Yeah. Master so of several. He's got his fingers in a lot of pots. You know your uncle who you don't see but for every third Thanksgiving. And when you do, he's talking about the pyramids and some constellations and it had something to do with the election and you don't know exactly what he's talking about. That's this is Gene the man. Scott. Yep. Yeah, we'll tell you more about it. So he was getting on in years, and not only was he showing videos of his horses to his congregants, he was also showing videos of young nubile ladies that he would pay to attend the church. And uh, we've heard these stories from various sources. Mm -hmm. I guess all these young ladies would come visit the church and they'd sit in the front rows and they were called his pony girls. Mm -hmm. Some of them were, I guess, Playboy playmates or penthouse pets or, you know, somehow professional models. (laughs) Nude models, yes. And it seems one account I read even said that like he would show videos of them riding around on his horses. In bikinis. And I think that was, so a couple times he was being examined by the government, whether it was by the FCC or by the FBI. And at that point, he was kind of taunting everybody and saying, look at all the goods I've got in general. And I think it was during that era that he showed the video of the young women riding his horses in their bikinis and was like, you know, I'm well enough off by myself. I don't need anybody. Look at what I've got back home. Good deal. So he had a first wife, Betty Ann Frazier, from 1951 or thereabouts to 1974. And he didn't remember her too fondly. Uh And then he had a girlfriend for a long time, Christine Shaw, from the early 80s on to like the mid 90s. And she, I believe, had been in Playboy, but she wasn't necessarily like a playmate. Uh-huh. And then came along another woman. Melissa. Yes. So beautiful, young, brunette Melissa. Long, um, flowing auburn hair. Canadian. Canadian. Yeah. They're friendly. Yeah. <laughs> That's all you need. All right. So Melissa is quite a bit younger than he. Yes. I think when they got married, he was in his, what, 70 or early 70s? He was 70 and she was 32. Okay. So about 40 years difference. Yep. She had been one of the, I think, young ladies that was kind of hanging around him for a while. One of them bikini babes, one of them pony girls. A lot of people say she was sort of the favorite, which makes sense. That's the one you marry. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. One would hope she'd be the favorite, right? They got married on August 10th, 2000. How do you know this, Carrie? I know this because I went and looked up their marriage certificate. Anything exciting on their marriage certificate? So you went down to the records Um, repository. I I have gone down to the records repository and found a lot of good shit, and we'll talk about it. But Carrie really uh, was a gumshoe on this one. (laughs) Thank you. In this case, they were married in Washoe County, Nevada. So in order to get those records, all I had to do was go to the Washoe County, Nevada recorder's website. Okay. So I just paid $15, I believe, got it there. Wasn't tough. Nice. What was her name before she was married? 
Her name was Melissa Pastore because she had been married before to a Paul Pastore. Okay. Paul Pastore, interestingly, was a pornography producer. Oh. And isn't that interesting, Ross? That is and interesting, here's, Carrie. Uh, why that makes sense. Hmm. Melissa Scott. I'm although, starting to see a connection. Although Melissa Scott denies this, she actually was a pornography actress. So take your grain of salt or put your asterisk wherever you want to, but pretty clear that she was married. She was definitely married to this porn producer. Mm-hmm. He spoke to a Marie Claire reporter a few years ago and pretty much admitted that this is true. She, His ex-wife starred in pornography. He at the time was like, hey, if she doesn't want to talk about it, I won't either. But mm. that's basically admitting it. Right. Other people in her life were like, oh, yeah, of course. Her name was Barbie Bridges. You can find her picture online. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know why she's denying this. And indeed, we've gone and found pictures of Barbie Bridges that are identical to her. It's... Yes. Yeah, it's her. It's her. It's, it's clearly it's her. Her. Uh, funny enough, my good friend Ross Blotcher yes. remembers these photos quite well. <laughs> there was one particular pictorial that I came across where she was going by the name. Pictorial. <laughs> That's what they called him in Penthouse. Photographed by the famous Earl Miller, and it was, what was it, Bobby and Crystal, I think was the name of, no, Bobby and Cynthia, and uh, I looked at that one, oh yes, uh, Adolescent Ross remembers this particular <laughs> scene very well. Yes. Uh, thumbs up? At, yeah, at I was a fan. Thumbs. I, I, I was a fan. She's a very beautiful woman. Good, good, good. Oh, she is a very beautiful she woman. Is, yeah, yes, yes, absolutely. Yes, uh, clap, 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 clap. So yes, uh, many photos of her exist, and so we, we did some research on that. <laughs> Extensive research into the night. I work hard for our listeners. Um, we also have been trying to find this video that she was in called Picture Perfect Seduction that seems to be like her major right. video that she starred in. There was another one mentioned somewhere along the line, but yeah. Okay, but that's like her big one. And it seems, at least from looking around, that uh, Melissa Scott has put a fair amount of effort into removing these pictures and video from the web. Right. And of course, the web being what it is, you can that still work. find quite a bit of stuff. That's right. But we were not able to find the video. Not yet. Carrie hasn't given up. Carrie's house number two. Oh, Ross house number one. Is, I hope, going to come through for us. Someone sent him the video years ago, and he's trying to dig it up for us. But from so. the photos, it's pretty clear who we're talking about. Oh, yeah. yeah so yeah. we have an interesting dichotomy here with Pastor Melissa Scott saying this is not her. She says it's not her. Why does she say and, it's not her? And now, yet, this, is, this yeah. is really interesting because the story of the redeemed, young, right. sexually active woman Be turned, very easy to spin this and say Christian pastor hey I've got a bad past you know but this is also my bona fides I've lived on the other side of the street I've walked this lifestyle but I can now attest to what God has done to change my life and yet she chose a different tack which is to say nope not me at all you're mistaken and this is a hundred percent conjecture I have no idea but I am tempted to wonder if that's because there's more to this if it's not just the pornography that she's Um, ashamed of if Barbie Bridges is tied to something uglier that we have no idea about oh interesting and that makes me wonder about her true origin story so so her father on her marriage certificate is listed as Frank Peroff who is a Canadian man. P-E-R-O-F-F. 
That's right. There's no way to verify which Frank Peroff that is, but the only Frank Peroff in Canada that I could find and that it seems anyone else can find was a Canadian mobster, a very famous one, uh, one who was sort of thrown under the bus by the U.S. government. Because he was a whistleblower? Sort of. It's a very complicated story. Basically, he had some inside information. The government was like, sure, we'll help you out if you give us X information. We'll protect you even though you've done some shady stuff. Then he was like, here's the info. They were like, never mind, we're not going to help you because you've done this other stuff. Hmm. It ended up not being the quid pro quo he thought it would be. Okay. Or at least this is the story that's out there. I couldn't verify it. What happened to him in the end? I don't know. Okay. That's like a pretty dark origin story if that's her dad. I don't know if it's her dad. Could be a different Frank Peroff of Canada. Okay. I don't know, but that would be a pass to run from. And maybe Barbie Bridges is just one step closer to Frank Peroff. That's just one theory. Maybe you're right, and that's kind of why she's trying to distance herself. Then again, we've heard stories that when she kind of took over later, and we'll get to that part of the story, that people would send to members of the church pictures of her in pornographic situations. Right. And maybe she just wanted to, you know, make that stop. And I, I can't blame her for that. At the same time, I don't see anything incompatible with having a past in porn and a, right. a present in the ministry or any kind of field. Yeah, it seems like... No reason like... you can't be an intellectual or yeah, anything, anything else. It seems like the people who send those would seem way more villainous if she were saying, yeah, that is me and I'm... I've moved past I'm, that. I've moved past that, and this is a really mean thing to do. Right. They would seem like awful, but since she's saying, no, that's not me, now that just becomes evidence. Those people right. are just submitting counter Right, yeah. Yeah, so that seems like the wrong move for her if that's what she's going for. Indeed. Anyway, a lot of interesting stuff to unpack on that alone, and we're not even talking yet about her ministry! <laughs> right? Yeah. So they got married, her and Gene Scott, and he was in decline. These were his later years. Yeah, he's 70. Like many 70-year-old men in America, he quickly developed prostate cancer. Very common. Yep. Runs in my family. Okay. From what I've heard from people who were around at that time, right? he didn't get treatment at a hospital right away. Right. Um, No chemotherapy, no surgeries. So the story on the street is that he took herbal remedies and um, basically unproven treatments. At the encouragement of Melissa Scott. At the encouragement of Melissa. Now, I don't know if that's true, but that's what these sources tell me. He quickly got sicker because those treatments don't help you with cancer. Nope. And he died in 2005. And how long had they been married by that point? About five years? Five years. Okay. So right before his death, he basically signed everything over to his wife, Melissa. Mm -hmm. And he had quite a bit of property. He did. Quite a bit of money. Yep. Saved up from all his raising money on the television. Mm -hmm. And he signed over his whole ministry and named her the Minister of Faith Center. His successor, yeah. And you may wonder, oh, now, wait a second, is she an ordained minister? Why, yes, by him. He ordained her. Yep. Yep. That's how that works. Yep. Kind of pick someone like, I want you to lead this church now. You are ordained. Ta-da! And she says that she has a doctorate. She says she's working on a doctorate. She says Ah. that she has a master's. Okay. 
But she does not say where she received that master's from. Correct. Okay. Yeah, she says she She plays things close to the chest. Yeah, she says that she has advanced degrees in biblical languages, I believe. Okay. But will not say where where these degrees are from. And she claims to know maybe 18, maybe 20, maybe 27 ancient languages. Maybe 40. One person says that they have a tape of her being introduced as speaking 40 languages. I have found many different numbers referring to the number of languages that she (laughs) speaks. Yep. And has mastery of. I would like to see a list. Uh, that would seems help. like too many. That's a lot. That's I a mean, lot. Yeah. What what could these languages be? Are they slightly different? Dialects? I don't know. Yeah. Because it's not spelled out anywhere. Did she write the fountain? The- Did she write the fountain out, out in front of the oh, oh and not the movie the fountain by darren aronofsky and not the fountainhead by ayn rand right no she didn't write any of those no all right but maybe the fountain out in front of face maybe she wrote that yeah so as you can see we have quite a character developing already in pastor melissa scott which is how she refers to herself which she did not focus group in advance because those initials would be pms and that is how People refer to her on a group you can find online that we'll give a shout out to. Hello, Alt Gene Scott oh, fan group. <laughs> you'll never find a more wretched hive of scum and villainy. There, oh my there, God. There are some weirdos you on guys, that. guys, there's a Google group, the Alt Gene Scott fan group. Some of them are not super nice in general, <laughs> uh, and some of them don't appear to have all their faculties in general. Sure. But anyway, they love to call her PMS. They love that. But some of them are very nice, and some of them helped hook me up with my sources. Like Carrie's house number one and Carrie's house number two. Yes, those are wonderful people. Oh, so Melissa also appears to have been tasked with having upkeep of all of these gene videos, of which there were hundreds, if not thousands. Huge archive of recorded sermons. But she appears to have basically scrubbed the internet of Gene's legacy. Right. So one major complaint online is from a lot of Gene's followers. And, you know, even though he passed away in 2005, he still has many ardent followers mm-hmm. who really want to share his message. And he made it clear that he wanted his message to be shared all the time. He made that really clear. And I guess immediately or very soon after she kind of took control of the website where they had a lot of these available for download, tons of archived sermons, immediately those were pulled down. Uh, There's one gentleman online who says that he has many archived copies of these sermons and he wants to share them with other followers, fans of Gene. But she actively tries to sue them and restrain them from sharing copies. Now, on the other hand, we have listened to one of her sermons where she talks extensively about the efforts that she has put into digitizing these tapes and restoring them and getting ready to, at some point in the future, make them available again. Right. Now, so far, at least in all the cases that I've looked at, when she has sued someone over these supposed copyright infringements, the judges have all said, no, you don't own this copyright. You have no right to claim that these tapes belong to you and so have found in favor of the defendants. Okay. Yeah. If you go to PastorMelissaScott.com, you can still find a 24-hour-per-day broadcast She has kept that part of Gene's wishes alive. You can find some of these archived sermons of his. I've gone on and watched and seen him. There's a lot of sermons from her as well. But for us to find the sermons that we watched, we had to kind of go online and download through these alt groups and torrents. And the messages that she's left up are are more like run-of-the-mill messages. They're Mm -hmm. his his more middle-of-the-road, yeah, just... Non-controversial sermons. Yes, non-controversial, exactly. So anything about 
the the things that he got famous for his sermons about the great pyramids or the constellations like we were alluding to right. before those don't make it on here and i think it's very valid that a lot of his fans are really disturbed by this or like hey whatever you think of this teacher is irrelevant right like right. if you're going to honor his memory then show him for who he was these are not the things he stood for i'm very curious to see when the church finally releases all of this digitized record of of gene scott's sermons if it will be largely purged of these more controversial subjects. Right. Uh, I would, I would suspect expect well. so. You're right. Yeah. But Carrie, what's happening today in the Faith Center in Glendale? What happens if you go there? I would love to tell you, Ross, I wish that I could. But first, I have to make a website. Well, how will you make a website? I mean, that's hard. That's hard to do. I know it is. And I, I wish that I knew how. But I've never done it. Uh, well, let I'm- me stop you right there. Really, the best way to do it then is probably to use Squarespace. <gasps> Squarespace? Yeah. Well, I love Squarespace because I know that Ono, Ross, and Carrie is supported in part by Squarespace. And whether you need a landing page or a beautiful gallery, a professional blog, or an online store, it's all included with your Squarespace website. So not only do they support good entertainment, but they have a platform that is easy and offers a free custom domain when you sign up and has beautiful templates that you can use to make a professional looking website. Yeah, it's got seamless commerce tools so you can have your own shop. You can connect with thousands of shop owners around the world. You can use all these funky tools that I have no idea how to use because I'm not fancy enough, but some other people probably are. Well, if you don't know how to use them, is there customer support? Exactly. There is. And you know what? You can call those people at 24 hours a day. You can, It might be But how many days a week? Seven days a week. That's Check all this the days. Out. I know exactly. So maybe like you're you're making your website. You're like, click, 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 click. I don't know how to do this. But and what if that up. happens on a Wednesday? Will you just listen for a second? Okay. You call up and you're like, ding, 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 Hello? Hello? Oh, two and a half rings. <laughs> Squarespace, it's me, Carrie. I can't figure this out. And they're like, it's me, Squarespace. It's okay. I've got you. I know how to do this. I'm Squarespace. I can do everything. The end. Click. So, Even I, though it's Wednesday. I bet you're already convinced at this point that this is the way to make a website and to try it out without even putting any money down. You can try it out first without paying anything. You can do that by going to squarespace.com forward slash oh no. O-H-N-O, to get 10% off your first purchase. So start your free trial today. Again, that's at squarespace.com slash oh no to get 10% off your first purchase. Squarespace. Build build it it beautiful. beautiful. You know what else is beautiful? Melissa Scott. She's a lovely lady. She's gorgeous. She was a porn star. You got to be beautiful, I think. Maybe not. You have to be good looking. Probably. People have to want to watch you have sex. There you go. Also, yes, I've been to her church. As have I. Now, here's what happens Okay. if you want to go. First, you call the number that we talked about. What's the number again? That's right. Don't just show up. Don't just show up. What what do you think this is, a regular church (laughs) where you just go in and you walk up to the door and you're like, it's Sunday, I might as well go? No, 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 no. That's how pretty much every other church I've ever gone to, including the Mormons, including Scientology, you just show up and you walk in. No, Scientology, we had to get invited. That's what you thought. The people were welcome off the street. It said walk-ins were welcome. All right. Normally, most churches in America, you just walk right in. Okay, I'm going to put Scientology in the maybe category, though. Okay. Because they did at least act like, they did say you had to be invited. Okay, to you at one point, I guess. In the letter! Hold on, hold on. 
Let's I believe to- you that they have contradictory information on their website, but I'm saying they said to me that you had to be invited. I think they were just trying to make you feel uh, I-, I believe that, but I'm saying that's <laughs> contradictory. Okay. Is that not weird? Yes, that is weird. Yeah, that's weird. Um, so you call ahead. You must call. Yep. You must call. Same number we were talking about, 1-800-338-3030. And you say, hello, I would like to go to church, please. And at least the first time I called, they were like, okay, what's your King's House number? And I was like... What? They... And why would you need, if you have a King's House number, why would you need to reserve a ticket? You still have to, I guess. <sighs> All right. Yeah. Okay. They ask you, what do you say? I said, oh, I don't know what that is. And she said, oh, okay. Uh, so you're a visitor. And I said, mm-hmm. I guess so. Yeah. And it seems like that's already a weird thing. Like, oh, visitor call. Right. Oh, 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 my, my. She straightens her tie. Oh, well, well, well. <laughs> is this your first time? And I said, yeah. And she said, oh, how have you been watching the pastor? Oh, okay. And I said on the website, which is true, I'd watched, you know, one of her sermons or something on the website. Okay. And I actually drove by, you know, I drove by and I saw the fountain and I looked her up and I watched one of her things on the website, mm-hmm. but she's totally true. All true. So she said, Sundays at 11 is our service okay. and you do need tickets. So now ordinarily I would send you the tickets, but... Oh, this was kind of last minute. You were calling the day before. I think I was calling on a Friday. Okay. So she said, I don't know if they get there in time, so we'll just have them at the front for you. They mail tickets out to everyone who attends? Yeah. So you'll need to come up and get them from the front and then walk in. And I'm thinking, okay, a like it's a will call tickets. service for free tickets. Like, just let me in. <laughs> like, what? Okay. All right. Um, but then she still asks for my name and address anyway. Mm-hmm. So I told, I actually used my first name and Drew's last name. I said, Carrie Spears. Sure. She said, okay. Uh, I put it in for two. Uh, you and I showed up. Yes. On Sunday. And this was a while ago. This was back in April. So Carrie got there before I did and picked up the tickets. Mm-hmm. So she had them. They were bright pink. Bright, bright pink. As you're driving there. Uh, first, you already run into a bunch of uh, helpful guys wearing suits. With earpieces. Yeah, in. they're all wearing earpieces to communicate with each other. And they say, hey, first time, uh, here's where you can park. Yeah, they know right away that you haven't been there before. They I have not seen you before, face. and I've seen everybody. Yeah, I like rolled down my window, and he was immediately like, first time? Oh, geez. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah the wow. first guy was friendly, but maybe a little intense. Yeah. And so they have you park in a parking lot that they own on Eulalia. Yeah, it seems like they have street. a few of them. And the one that they were putting me in, it was covered in gravel. Yep, yep. me too. They own that. And uh, so yeah, I had my Bible with me, wearing my suit. I didn't have a Bible. I realized then that I no longer own a Bible in my life. Huh. I have many Bibles if you ever need to borrow one. Well, thank you. But when I got there, they Mm -hmm. gave me one. Yeah, they're like, oh, you don't have a Bible. We're going to fix this. And they gave it to you. They didn't just lend you a Bible. No, sir. Here is your new King James Version And they said, this is is a gift from the pastor. Oh, Um, yeah. They they even say here on the website, your passes will arrive by mail. So the earlier in the week you call, the better. Service normally starts at 11, but sometimes there is an evening service at 7 p.m. If you're not sure, just ask the voice of faith. Yes, the voice of faith is the person you talk to on the phone. But yeah, when I said that I didn't have a Bible, they gave me one and it has a sticker inside that says a gift from Pastor Melissa Scott. Oh, thank you, Melissa. Yeah, it's a King James Version. It's, uh, you know, it's a cheaper 
made Bible, but you know, sure. they're passing them all out. Yeah, no, it's totally cool. That's cool. I'm always interested, like what version of the Bible did they use? So they're, Definitely the they're KJV. old style. Yeah, yeah. KJV. Um, in the house, in the king's house. Very good. So when you walk up, there's the main entrance is a couple of double glass doors. And then to the left, there are a couple more doors. More doors. Door. One does not simply walk into more doors. <laughs> Oh yeah, and, and and before we even walked in, they they took our hot pink tickets from us, and they're like, "Here are these green tickets to replace them, and we we need you to sign the back of the pink tickets with your name." Right, and I said, <laughs> "Okay, well, the front has my name on it because I had ordered the tickets," and they're mm-hmm. like, "It doesn't matter. Write your name on the back." Okay, so, so now I wrote it has my, name, my on name on mine, on the front and the back. Sure. Can we go in now? But I was going to say the doors on the left is where you get your tickets. The doors on the right is where you go in. This is very important. It's, you know, it's just like very regimented how everything happens. Yeah, there's a flow they expect you to walk through. And there's also security cameras everywhere. Yes, and security guards everywhere. So these guys in suits, they've all got earpieces and they're all like on every corner and down the street, front of every parking area. Everywhere you look, you see like a little cluster of security guards all with earpieces all kind of communicating with each other. It's just, it's a weird vibe because you're coming into this place and you just feel it swarming with security. Uh, There's also a sign that I'm not sure if it was there when we first went or if it's new. Yeah, I don't remember seeing it, but that doesn't mean anything. But I just pulled around there yesterday and was just taking some pictures for our listeners. I noticed the sign out front that says, notice, it's California Statute 302, disorderly conduct at church service. It's a big sign, and it says, Every person who willfully disturbs or disquiets any assembly of people met for religious worship by profane discourse, rude or indecent behavior, or any unnecessary noise, either within the place where such meeting is held or so near it as to disturb the order and solemnity of the meeting, is guilty of a misdemeanor. State of California then gives the statute. Um, You must think that that had to be in response to somebody being a disruption. You'd think. Wasn't us. Yeah, we absolutely never were. But yeah, you know, I mean, it just feels very, yeah, it just gives you this feeling of like, what's up here? Yes. Like, what has gone wrong here? Yes, this is not your normal, just open service. Welcome, everybody. Come learn. Let's all fellowship. No, there there are barriers in place. And in fact, the tickets, even on our first day, the tickets said, this is not a public service. Remember? Weird. Yeah. So weird. Like, what a thing to put on your tickets. Anyway, so we go in and and an elder or an usher says to us, okay, you can sit right there and points to specific seats. Like and seats it's like, three and four. Seats three and four. Now in seat six, there's a woman sitting. So uh-huh. he doesn't want us to sit in seat five. God forbid we sit in seat Don't five. Sit there. Which makes us awkwardly leave this gap between <laughs> us and this woman. And there's no one sitting there. So... It just feels like we, like she smells like, or something. We wanted to leave a gap. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's one of those places where everyone's filling in the gaps. And so you very politely were like, oh, we would have sat next to you, but uh, uh, he told us not. He, he told us to sit in three and four. <laughs> you don't smell or anything. Yeah. <laughs> I assured her. And, uh, yeah. And she, she was like, oh, ha, 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 ha. The sanctuary itself, I would say seats between 300 and 400. That was my estimate at mm-hmm. the time. 
And uh, yeah, mostly just kind of like regular chairs that you put in any conference room kind of lined up in grids. There's also like stadium seating up to the right and kind of to the rear to the right. So like over to the right side of the room, there's Uh, bleachers. House right, not stage right. Correct. Yeah. And then on the left, there's a gigantic mirror, which we very quickly learned just makes this whole room and the audience look a lot larger because it doubles them. Yep. Through the power of mirrors. Yep. Uh, So there's a bunch of cameras everywhere. There's one large uh, crane that's really large for the room, and it's got the camera on it. So it's swooping around or, you know, it's getting ready to at this point. And then you've got like three other fixed cameras at various positions. So they've been doing this a long time. They know how to capture a sermon. Oh, yeah. We've already got a worship team up front. They're singing songs. They're all wearing bruise colors. They're all wearing black, blue, and purple. Good singers. Very convincing. It reminded me of like a 90s church, like going to church in the Mm -hmm. 90s. They were kind of dressed that way. I don't know if there were shoulder pads, but that was kind of the impression. It's all very conservative, not necessarily politically. I mean, you couldn't really tell one way or the other that way, but but conservative dress. The women have, I think, was it suit jackets, but over kind of a blue blouse that covers up to the neck pretty well. And then almost like permed hair. Yeah, there's a whole throwback feel there that's weird. Yeah, one lady kind of had like a scully do going on. Yeah, it it felt like the 90s for some reason. Yeah, and so does the building. So it's just strange that way. Yeah, and And I really didn't know what to expect there because Gene was so up and down with that stuff you know like he has his bikini babes but then he's also yelling at you about adultery and it's just like what are you what do you want well and back in the time when he was the pastor they had another facility which was uh that building down on is it broadway the jesus saves building yeah uh which is now the ace hotel yes it's on broadway giant jesus saves sign up there which is still there right uh so yeah that was a huge facility but i guess at some point they had to give that up after he passed away and now they're only in this building but yeah, as you mentioned, from the outside, it's very utilitarian, just kind of this like light gray stucco cube rectangle thing. And uh, yeah, on the inside, it's not much fancier. Uh, up on the stage, it's got like kind of the area for the singers to stand. And then it's got a cross in the center. And then radiating out from it are all these folded over cloths. So they kind of form the rays emanating mm-hmm. from this cross. And they're broken up into these little rectangular segments, but each segment continues the radiating lines from the cross. And we'd show you pictures of all these things, but we can't because we couldn't take pictures because when you go in, they insist that you not just silence your cell phones, but turn them off. Turn those things off. And they watch you turn them off. Yes, they confirm with you at the door that you have turned them off and watch you do it. And there are signs to remind you. And then over the loudspeaker on a regular basis, they remind you that you need to have your cell phone off. There is no recording whatsoever. And there, so we took copious notes. Yeah, the signs are like really serious. I'm trying to remember exactly what it said, but it was something that was basically like, we are now legally telling you to turn your, you know, it's like just to let you know, like, we will sue you if you don't do this. Do you understand that that's and what we are saying? Who walks into this church without seeing a million red flags? Right? I know. There's just so much control going on. Right. Like on so many different levels. Like we really want to control your actions. Yeah. Creepy vibe in that sense. So far, everyone's been pretty friendly though. Yeah. 
They've yeah. just been telling us where to go and where to sit and what to do and where to write your name and here's a Bible. Okay, never mind. It's creepy. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, they're singing Victory in Jesus. That uh-huh. one comes up later. That's one I remember from my church days. Did you ever sing that one? No, I don't think so. Victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew him, and all my love is due him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. I could keep no, going, I, but I, don't I think know that song at all. I, I just think everyone gets the idea. Follow the tune. Sure. <laughs> really? I I thought yeah. you knew it. Nope. From, from how you were singing perfectly. Nope. Uh, I mean, I've heard it the one time she sang it, I guess, or they sang it. It was a, it was a staple in my churches growing up. They sang some other songs, too. I wrote the names down, but uh, but all that kind of stuff. Oh, can we give, uh, okay, just out of nowhere, but speaking of Christian music, can we give a shout out to one of my favorite Let's of our listeners? Let's do it. I know what you're going to say. Stephen Mason of Jars of Clay listens to our show, and we're such Jars of Clay fan kids. How cool it's is that? one of the coolest things. You have no idea. Stephen, how much we geek out over that. Yeah, he tweets at me a lot. Hey, anyway, when I was a teenager, his picture was on my ceiling. That's awesome. I still, uh, any album they release, I buy it right away. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, sure, take too. my money. And we listen to their songs in your car sometimes <laughs> yeah. on long drives. Like, what should we listen to? I we know. Listen to Jars, of, Jars play. of Play. Okay, that's the end of that. You can take Ross and Carrie out of church. But you can't. Make them stop listening to Jars of Clay. So yeah, they're singing. I, it was interesting. The uh, the singers up front were kind of a, a multicultural bunch. And looking around, I would say the audience skewed older, but there were younger folks in there, like maybe in their mid-30s to 40s, maybe not much younger than that. So Glendale is a largely Armenian population, and I do think that the church reflected that too. It was a okay. maybe slightly more white and Armenian church hmm. more than anything. It felt pretty mixed though. Like I felt it was a fairly good mix of humanity wasn't like a bunch of old white people. Uh-huh. But I think you could kind of guess pretty clearly like, oh, these are the people who've been with Gene Scott for low these many decades. Yeah. I don't know that I could have picked out who was who. I could have. Yeah. So we were all clapping along. You get up, you stand up while they sing and you clap along and you sing with them. And uh, did they give us lyrics? I don't think so. I don't I, think so. Yeah. No. I think we were left to kind of flounder. So, you know, the ones we knew great, the ones we didn't, mm, tough luck. Get yep. to listen. And, um, then after a while, like after like four or five songs, like, oh, this has been going on for a while. Melissa Scott came out and <laughs> this is great. She emerges from like this hidden door yeah. in the, the proscenium itself, like, you know, where you have the cross and it radiates out. It, it kind of comes towards the audience. And when it does, when the wall angles toward the audience, there's a little hidden door in there. And so at one point, the white cloth like sort of folds out and she peeks out from there and then it closes again. Yep. I'm really curious about just the structure behind that and how it leads up. I love hidden passageways. It reminded me of a folding wall in a gym. Oh, okay. Yeah, like a yeah. high school gym. Right, right. Not like a 24-hour fitness. Right. So she comes out. Uh, she sings the song herself. Well, she comes out. Hang on. First of all, the whole choir is like, she's here. 
I mean, they don't sing that, but like huh. that's the attitude. They all turn and they clap and oh, they're yeah. like, yeah. Everybody claps like, woo. And, and, and everyone zoo. stands and applauds. And I mean, like Woo-hoo. everything stops. It's like she has arrived. May all knees bow. And she comes out and she's carrying like six books, six huge heavy books. Mm-hmm. And she like walks the lectern and, and her, her head's down like, oh, yes, no, I'm not even noticing this applause. She is very humble. Yeah. I've noticed. <laughs> I'm just not even, oh, yes, whatever. I get this all the time. And sets down her. Oh, but with kind of like, yeah, she's got her head down, but she's also smiling like, oh, right. this is. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, yes. Thank oh, you. Oh, yes, whatever. I, it, yes, yeah. I, I guess I do deserve this. Yeah, yes. Thank you. Um, all right. Sets down her books on the lectern. Picks uh, up a microphone. Picks up a microphone. She's singing along with them. Yeah. And then she sang a song of her own. She gets a solo. And I and I couldn't wait. I was like, ooh, I wonder if she has a good voice. And uh, she sings fine. It's fine. No, she's a good singer. It's fine. She's like a C-plus singer. You're a good singer, Melissa Scott. Don't she, let Carrie oh, tell you otherwise. That's right. You're right. She's probably a singer. She's, she's a B-plus singer. I just gave her <laughs> just give her a bump. Oh, no. It, it was fine. It wasn't like, oh, no, it man. Wasn't that's, a, she's not a bad singer. It's yeah, just it's that not she off had pitch. like- It sounds fine. Oh, no, you're right. But she, she just- she had like two solos and it was like, oh, why are you singing so much? It's just because you're the pastor. That's it. All right. She has kind of a, a low, deep voice. Mm-hmm. But then she also told us the reason that we'd been singing for so long is that we were waiting for a bus to show up from San Diego. Oh, right. They have buses that depart from Orange County and San Diego. So uh, they were waiting for these people to come up by bus. And ordinarily, they don't let people in if they're like even a few seconds late. So she says, you know what? Just whenever they get here, just let them in. And this showing of mercy. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Just makes the whole audience just erupt in. You're going to let them in and not turn them away. Amazing. Everyone just starts applauding her. Oh, oh. I liked her laugh line was, at least we're not waiting for the Jerry Brown magic train, which I guess is... (laughs) A reference to the bullet train. train. And that got a good laughter out of the audience, too. Oh, we all hate the government. (laughs) (laughs) They're so inefficient. Uh, Yeah, so we sing one more song about God's unchanging hand. But I guess at this point, the bus did arrive and people got ushered in. Mm -hmm. So now she starts giving her sermon. uh, And she is wearing black on black. Mm-hmm. She has like a black blouse with this interesting like black jacket that's kind of frilly. Frilly. It's got, yeah. It's got you know what it kind of reminds frills. me of now that I think of it? The jackets they wear at the Haunted Mansion. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I know what you're talking about. That kind of frilly. I, I kind of want one now. Sort of the cut yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That kind and of long, almost Victorian cut. And long sleeves. Yeah. So she's got that on. And yeah, she's got long hair, very beautiful hair. Yes. Which is always kind of out and flowing. And wavy. I would almost say curly, but not quite. And she has kind of a long face Mm -hmm. and uh, sharp cheekbones. Pouty lips. Just so you get kind of a mental picture. uh, Though you can go visit PastorMelissaScott.com. There are many pictures of her. Or, you know, at this point, you've all Googled her porn. Either way. Uh, So uh, she lets us know off the start that this is the Church of Jesus Christ, not Gene Scott or Melissa Scott. So that's good. Okay, that seems like a good rule. Right off the the bat there, she's saying like, people have said terrible things about us. And in life, you need your enemies. And sometimes you just think everyone's a traitor, everyone's a foe, uh, and you need to walk through that valley. It's like, whoa. What a fun way to start. Happy Sunday, everyone. Whoa, what? Okay. 
<laughs> so you could have come in here and been like, okay, well, you know, I watched some of this church? sermons online, and yeah, what is this church? And oh, okay, you want to oh, turn off my phone? Okay, and uh, oh, ticket? Okay, I'll sign the ticket. Okay, All right, no, sure. this isn't a public God, service. What does okay, that mean? oh, I'll okay. sit right here. Okay, All yes. All right, no problem. Now, wait, what is this? Are enemies? People say bad things uh-huh. about you. Why? Why did they, it's like? Why yeah. is she inviting this by? Yep. By talking about all these nebulous negativity that she receives from unknown people. I don't know, Ross. Oh, okay. I thought you might have a good answer for me. All right. And she talks about like uh, someone who worked with her in the 90s in her first job there at the church. And that person listened to rumors and listened to gossip. And, about her porn. Yes. But again, she's not going to mention that. Right. Just, oh, right. Of course. She refers to everything. Yeah. I'm just being the Greek chorus. In a very abstract, detached way. And she said, I'm not even going to give his king's house number. Oh, my goodness. That's big of her, yeah. not to name his specific number, yeah, which I she... guess people would recognize him by. Right, which I don't even know if she's being merciful by giving his King's House number or she's not even going to give him the satisfaction of giving oh, his King's House number. Who knows? Be because you know what? It doesn't fucking matter if you say three digits. No one cares. <laughs> Five digits. Five digits. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for looking into that. want to get this right. We need to allow for people who've made mistakes, but I can't forgive those who have harmed God. God's church, which means her, that's not my place to do. She was directing this whole message to this guy, and she said she knew he was listening because he wrote her recently about one of her sermons. So so he's watching online, and she knows he's watching. Yeah, she's so vindictive. There, yes. There was a moment where, I can't remember exactly what the through line of what she was talking about was, but she said, it was something about lawsuits, and she said, Oh, and some people say that isn't Christian. Well, you know what? Neither is this. And she was referring to what the other person had done to her. But I just thought, what? Like, that's the opposite of what the founder of your religion would say. Right. The whole point, the entire point of Christianity is supposed to be like forgiveness and turn the other cheek and doing better than what you're given. And yes. to say like, well, the other person did something shitty, so I'm going to do something shitty is the antithesis uh-huh. of the point of your religion. Right, right. So I, I can't wait. After we release this episode, everybody, please watch at 11 a.m. Pacific time, pastormelissascott.com. Watch the live service. Just see if she makes any references to this podcast. Oh, yeah, totally. And maybe the Sunday after. Oblique ones, presumably. Right. Yeah, and she then obliquely mentions that, you know, this was all in the late 90s, that this guy was saying these things about her, and that those were really tumultuous times in Dr. Gene Scott's life, but at least it resulted in us getting married. And again, she's like just kind of half... She's vague booking at us and making you wonder like, well, wait, what is this? What are you talking about? And to someone who never knew about any of this, she's not doing a good job of sweeping it under the rug because she's making these constant references. Anyway, she says it's not her place to judge him and everybody gives her a standing ovation. (laughs) So essentially the sermons are a string of humble brags, vague allusions to terrible things that have happened to Melissa Scott in the past. Yep. Vague threats toward other people who have harmed or hurt Melissa Scott. Yep. And I think a little bit of self-protection in her statements about her past. I think that she knows that eventually some of her past could come out. Mm. And then she could say, well, I always said that my past was dark. Very clear. 
She's had hard times. She's, yes, exactly. She's been very lost in the past. She right. went through the valley. Yeah, right. Just constant exactly. references to how difficult her life has really been. I keep thinking of the phrase plausible deniability. Mm-hmm. And that's not quite right because it's not deniability, but it's like plausible affirmatability. It's like <laughs> I could in the future claim that I did say that. Right. Even though she's outright denied. <laughs> right. Implausible deniability. Yeah, things that she has done, and yet she alludes to all of these terrible things that have happened to her that you're not going to know about. Yeah, it's almost a Trumpian thing. So it's weird whatever she's doing, but but yeah, uh, then she uh, gets us ready for the offertory. She tells us that uh, some of you have not been faithful in your giving. Mm -hmm. Uh, You've not been fulfilling the burden that the Lord has given you. Right. So she reminds us, yeah, we're in arrears. We really need to give more money. So they pass around the old bucket. Was it a bucket or was it one of those cloth things? I think it's one of those deep cloth things. Like velvet kind of thing. Right. Anyway, so it came by. I put five bucks in there. Right. I kept passing it. I think I didn't have any cash with me. I remember feeling embarrassed. Uh, Carrie's house number two told me that back in the day, Gene originally said that he would never make demands on anyone to pay a certain amount because Hmm. it was very important that people gave willfully and that, you know, it was God who was would decide okay um you know who would pass judgment on whether you were giving enough that then gene later in his life made stricter demands on you about you know you're not giving enough and whatnot and oh. he and he was willing to say uh, carrie's house number two was willing to say you know that's where i really disagreed with gene i thought that he made a bad decision there oh, and he was okay. kind of usurping kind of god's power there good job um, ross's house number one yeah <laughs> um and that's obviously something he disagrees with melissa about Two and thinks Melissa is doing even worse. So, uh, so now we were ready. We had another song during the offertory, but now we're ready for the actual sermon. And so she steps up to the whiteboard and she starts writing uh, Hebrew letters on it, which we are later told are from Psalm seventy-seven. She asked, "Hey, everybody, who's learning Hebrew?" Many hands go up. Mm-hmm. So Melissa Scott teaches Hebrew classes, right? And I'm kind of bummed that I can't take those classes. I know, I know. And we'll tell you why we can't take them yeah, in w- our next episode. But I would still like to learn Hebrew with Pastor Melissa Scott. Oh, me too. Just putting that out there, Pastor Melissa Scott. I know, me too. Uh, we wanted to. I would gladly learn Hebrew. We kind of reached out a little bit just to try to find out how well she does with scriptural exegesis and writing out you know, the meanings of various things. And, and we can't really comment on that yet. Right. We reached out to a couple scholars we know... Uh, I mean, and this, obviously, this is like a big task. Can you look at uh, a right. lot of hours of this pastor's... Because <laughs> there's there's not much to go on where you can just point it like, look at this YouTube video, because she really like breaks this verse apart. Because most of the sermons that are... There's a lot of sermons that she posts on YouTube, but mostly they're just kind of snippets, and she's already gotten past that part. She's giving kind of concluding remarks. So uh, yeah, it was kind of hard to even grab like... Here's a, a section where she goes through 12 of her 27 languages she knows. So, yeah, we weren't able to find someone who was uh, willing and able to do that. But if anybody out there is listening and is like, I'm maybe you're a grad student who uh, studies the classics or something, yeah. we would love to hear from you. Yeah. So for right now, we'll just assume she knows her stuff. Oh, yeah. And while she was writing Hebrew on the board... Everyone kept clapping for her, like nonstop. Yes. The whole time. Now, and and it's not a motivated clapping. I don't know how to describe this. It's not like everyone's clapping like, oh, yay, something's happening. It's like... We are supposed to clap in a wall of clapping until the writing is done. The writing is almost done. She is done writing and stop. 
Yeah, it's that was a real little weird. A little weird. And she said that uh, it's a difficult text that uh, needs someone who understands the language. Good thing she's here to help us. And uh, she shows us her Bible, and uh, she lets us know that she has highlighted the heck out of this Bible. Yes, in different colors. Yeah, there's like uh, four different colors, like blue, pink, orange, and yellow. And so all the pink highlights were for phrases that had I, me, and my. Thank uh, God. Yeah. Why, though? And uh, blue highlights were for all the names of God. Oh, okay. Yeah. But why? I don't know. Helps her parse the text. Mm. I don't know. I mean, God makes a little more sense, but I mean, my seems like, um, why? We'd have to ask Pastor Melissa Scott. Maybe uh, she'll be on the show. We'd love that. Yes, we would love to have you on the show. Have we made that clear? <laughs> You can say whatever you want about us and clear up your past. Honestly, tell me if I'm wrong. Okay. I would be willing to give Pastor Melissa Scott a 10-minute uninterrupted block of just clean audio where she can say anything on this show. 100%. And we won't yes. even interrupt her. Yes. We might say stuff before. You know what? I'll even give her the last word. I'll let it be the last thing that's on the episode. We will come to your house and set it up there. (laughs) We We will make this as easy on you as possible. Yep. Okay. Okay. Offers out there. (laughs) (laughs) That will be even funnier later. Okay. So um, I'm trying to sum up this particular sermon, but really it's just talking about how we are troubled at times in our lives and that we need to seek the Lord and... Yeah, that's that's it. Yeah, so I mean, her sermon at this point was basically like... When she gets going on a sermon, it's it's pretty dry. It's very dry. But I think the point of this one was basically, you got to keep going and seeking the Lord, even when times are troubling, and you can't just be like, oh, things are bad, so mm-hmm. I'm going to give up on God. That's when you need to devote yourself to God the and- most. And when things are good, you know, we never ask ourselves like, oh... Where's God when things are good? Right. Um, And we need to be giving of ourselves. It's very clear she meant financially. Yes. We need to be giving of ourselves the most when times are hard. The first few verses were all about how difficult life is and the writer of the psalm saying almost blasphemous things and asking like, will the Lord cast us off forever? And will he be favorable no more? Uh, Does God need to be reminded? And then it turns around and it turns out that, that God is great and God is there and he can take care of you. Oh, I, I like that at one point she said, I'm not one for personal testimony. <laughs> My youth was filled with sad, lamentable things. Again, the vague references. Right. Uh, she tells us that she's 48 now. She says that she's seen enough for two lives. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Some of you who know me and think that I'm the same person I was uh, 20 years ago are wrong. I don't even know that person. I found my purpose late in life. Again, we don't know what she was doing early in life. Mm-hmm. Right. And God was so gracious, he could have led her somewhere else. The children of Israel had 40 years, and I haven't even been a Christian that long. Now, throughout all of this, she'll ask rhetorical questions. Usually when someone asks rhetorical question, there is no response. When she asks a rhetorical question, is Uh there a response? Yes. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, that's everybody says it in unison, and you're like, oh, yes, ma'am. Like we'd say it one beat later than everybody else because we didn't know that was supposed to be the rapid response, the paroxysm. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. But yeah, oh, so much of this is just about her. Like everything very quickly turns back to being about Melissa Scott. Yep. And when Gene Scott was in charge, people would say, yes, sir. So we saw this in the video. Yes, sir. When he would ask something, the whole congregation would say, yes, sir. 
So yeah, that that switched to yes, ma'am when she took over. And and it's interesting. It's like a comedian who roasts people in the audience. She'll call out people all the time. And again, it's like vague and ambiguous, but she'd say, I know the sickness in many of your households, even without my glasses. And that gets kind of like a half laugh, like, oh, you're laughing about how horrible we are. Yeah. Just- yeah. Well, and even without my glasses, she means like, because I, I, I can see, I can see you over there. I know who you right. are. And yeah. <laughs> she'd even say like, oh, I'm looking over there. I know who among you hasn't tithed to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was another, really pointed. Another line uh, she said is, some of you are hardheads who make my life difficult. It's like, oh, man, so much berating. You know, and I'm reminded a little of, uh, there was a pastor at my college, uh, a priest, who would yell at the parishioners when they came and he would just be like, oh, people don't come to Sunday service. And it was like, okay, but we're the ones who are here. Why are you yelling at the people who yeah, are here? Right. Feels kind of the same here, just like, okay, but these are the people who showed up. These are the people who do care. Like, why are you yelling at these people? Right, and she's constantly referencing these people who have already left the church. Yeah. Or the people who watch videos or the people who write. And yeah, it's just all these little sideways references. It's like, yeah, just uh, preach your sermon. Yeah. Especially if I'm just coming off the street, you're kind of scaring me with all of this retribution and vindictiveness and judgment. Here's the outside perspective, Melissa Scott. It's creepy. Yeah. Right, and yeah, she even said, many of you listening, but not here did not get the lesson and ran away it's like, all right sure okay. okay she even tells a little bit of the history 11 years ago my husband died factions arose it's what you do in the valley that separates the wheat from the chaff why are you involving everyone in the past so much just stop it yeah stop it move on if you're yeah. gonna move on move on that's also telling though like if she thinks that that many people watching don't even know that story that means that a lot of people there don't even know who gene scott is but then for those who don't why bring it up because oh no totally i know but that's that's an interesting detail. yeah it really is we're really playing out some old battles here mm-hmm. so uh so yeah she keeps uh, referring to her her writing on the board and uh, so she took a cue from Gene Scott in that she writes the ancient language on the board, and then she's got like multiple colors going on, and she's breaking down certain words and kind of retranslating them. Oh, your Bible says this, but really this is a better translation. And I noticed I had an NIV Bible with me, and everything where she said like, this is a better translation, that's what it said in the NIV already. Ha! It's like, yeah, why don't you start using that one? Oh, weird. And uh, And then she would draw circles around things and lines, but she doesn't get anywhere near as messy as Jean Scott did. Her diagrams mm. at least kind of make sense. Hmm. So Right, 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 yeah. Got to give her that. Much better handwriting. Yeah, it's not as messy. And I would also say, as nonsensical as it is, it's a little more followable. There's it's, a reason to that. There's line. a rhymed reason to it. <laughs> yeah. I think if you walked in on it half an hour later, you wouldn't be able to parse it. So in that sense, there isn't. But... As you're following it, it's followable. Mm, gotcha. Whereas Gene Scott, like sometimes you're just like, what? Wait, what is this line? What are you doing? Oh, are you just making a gesture? What is this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it seems like she's constantly thinking in terms of counterexamples to what she's saying. So she'll start saying a sentence and maybe like, oh, we're going somewhere with this message. And then she'll kind of stop and then she'll say, oh, but you could also say this. And she'll consider the counterexample. For example, like she tells us about a time that her purse was stolen and she said, God protected me. Oh, but I'm not saying bad things don't happen. So like she'll constantly kind of interrupt herself and I think maybe lose the plot of where she was going with Mm -hmm. that particular statement. And then it turns into something about her again 
or something about people who have not been faithful in the church. Okay. That seems to be like kind of the structure of her sermon for the most part. That sounds like an internal battle. So the way she summed it up was that God will fortify you and strengthen you. And that's my message. And that got a standing ovation. So she got four standing ovations in total. Mm-hmm. And uh, so... Banjos. So yeah, now now we're ready to be done, right? Let's wrap this sermon up. Sure. Well, for one thing, we've already given our tithes and offerings. You know what? You know what, Karen? Now that you mentioned that, let's do another offertory. Wait, what? Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. Wait, yeah. hold oh, on. Never... Let me remind you. We've already given our tithes and offerings. Yeah, but you know what? I think... The Lord's work requires some more money. Let's pass around the collection plate again. Well, that's just confusing and disorienting. Cue the music. What? What's <laughs> happening right now? It's getting passed around. I was Put in so more money. disoriented in that moment. I've literally never <laughs> been to a church service where they pass around the offering twice. And I actually felt disoriented. Like my brain was like, wait, this happened once before, right? Have I been <laughs> am I forgetting twice? things? Am, yeah, I, am like, I conflating this? Yeah, like my brain was like, like out to sea So we're feeling. chuckling as, you know, they're passing this around again. So <laughs> I think I stuck a few more bucks in there. Yeah, I think, I think you did. I think you might have like only had a 20 after that and given them 20 more dollars. Well, there you go. I think that's what happened. A little bit of seed money. And so uh, we sang Passing Through the Storm and we sang some song that said hallelujah a lot and she she sang again uh-huh. uh but yeah beautiful voice a plus good and then we went back to victory and jesus sang that again and then she left through her secret door again after telling us uh, that we would return to revelation because i guess she was teaching a, a sermon on revelation but she decided this was an important sunday for us to know that she's gone through really hard times but god's going to pull her <laughs> through it as long as we don't betray her too much <laughs> oh yeah we also noticed there was a guy in the back one of the uh, security guards and he had long white flowing hair, and he was like forcing this other older lady to stand up during the singing. This disambulatory woman. Yeah, like clearly she was tired and she wanted to be seated, but he's like, "No, no, we stand for the singing. Right. Get up." She was that like, was really uncomfortable. Standing. She was an older woman. Yeah, it yeah. was like one row away from us and a few seats removed. But yeah, we were just watching the struggle of this guy being like, "You need to live up to these expectations." Right. Get I up. Know that you're old and maybe have a, a disability, but you must stand. Jesus. <sighs> yeah. And that was great. our first visit. <laughs> great impression right off the Melissa bat. Melissa Scott. So uh, we have a lot more we could say oh, about boy, this. Boy, oh boy, you guys. The story does not end here. Yeah, we try going back. Shot. We try going back and uh, something interesting happens. Oh, and more and more happens. And I mean, and this story is more than you might expect. So it's more than just a story of us trying to go back. This really involves some interesting journalism on our part. Yeah. I think you'll really enjoy it. So, but you know what else you'll enjoy is this show from Max Fun. The Great Questions of Your Life. The great Questions of Your Life. Should you put ketchup on a hot dog? Put ketchup on a hot dog. Toilet paper. Over or under? Toilet paper. Star Wars? Star or Star Wars Trek? Or Star Trek? Fear not, my friends. Fear not, Mark my and friends. Hal always reach the definitive answer. Simply listen to We Got This with Mark and Hal every Tuesday at 9 p.m. Pacific on Maximum Fun. Fun. We Got This. Your better self is right around the corner. Namaste. You're right, Carrie. That's an enjoyable show. I know, right? So uh, tune in next time. We're going to tell you more of the story of our investigation of Pastor Melissa Scott and the Faith Center in Glendale, California. Yeah. We'll give you our ratings. We'll give you the exciting story that involved Carrie riding in my trunk. That happens. 
<laughs> we'll tell you about a mysterious horse ranch. We'll tell you what Face Center does when they look your names up and find out that you have a podcast. Uh-huh. We'll tell you what happens when you show up at the other buildings that Faith Center owns in Los Angeles that maybe they don't want people to show up at. You're going to want to listen. Yeah, you're going to want to listen because it's good stuff. Well, that's it for our show. Our producer is Ian Kramer. Our theme music maker is Brian Keith Dalton. You can support this investigation and all our investigations by going to MaximumFun.org forward slash donate and choosing us as a show that you love. Thank you to all of our supporters. Yes, you thank you You make so much. this possible. You are awesome. Uh, Also go to iTunes, leave us positive reviews there so other people can find us, or uh, leave us positive reviews on the other podcast catchers of your choice. Yes, please. You can also go to facebook.com forward slash on rack. You can see our pictures. You can see stuff we say. You can see videos. You can see us talk to people. You can talk to us yourself. So much stuff happens there. It's a great place to go. And remember, by the very nature, he has no clue of her personal life, by the very nature of calling her a whore. And I pray that she has really good attorneys and she just goes for the jugular on this one. Yes. But you might say, well, wait a minute, but that's not Christian. Well, neither is this. Neither is this. I'm Jesse. I'm Jordan. And we've been doing Jordan Jesse Go for almost 10 years now. And it's not gotten any easier to describe. So we asked our fans to do it for us. Jordan Jesse Go is a weekly conversation with two best pals, two hilarious friends, the hilarious smart kids, talking about hilarious stuff that happens to them, mostly really stupid stuff, awkward anecdotes, insane tangents, heartfelt It's like being thrown in the middle of a hilarious conversation between you and your best pal. It's a show that makes me laugh every week, which is pretty rare and wonderful. It might be the best thing on the internet. One of the funniest things you will hear. And it's the best part of my week and has kept me company for the past seven years through all sorts of life. I love those guys. That's Jordan Jesse Go, the comedy podcast that's been named Best of iTunes. Every Monday on MaximumFun.org or your favorite podcasting software. I'll hug you and kiss you and love you. Love you. Love you. Love you. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.